0: Hello and welcome, friends, family, and of course, enemies alike, to episode 102 of Reading Cadence. I'm your host, the displaced Wisconsinite, Phil Olson. I was scouring the internet and my myriad collection of books to find something that would produce in you an urgency like no other, and by golly, I found it. It is called... The Hindu Yogi Science of Breath by Yogi Ramacharaka, published in 1903. Uh, This is about breathing, because as Yogi states it, breath is life. You heard it from him first. Let's begin with chapter six. Chapter six, nostril breathing versus mouth breathing. One of the first lessons in the yogi science of breath is to learn how to breathe through the nostrils and to overcome the common practice of mouth breathing. The breathing mechanism of man is so constructed that he may breathe either through the mouth or nasal tubes, but it is a matter of vital importance to him which method he follows, As one brings health and strength, and the other disease and weakness. It should not be necessary to state to the student that the proper method of breathing is to take the breath through the nostrils. But alas, the ignorance among civilized people regarding this simple matter is astounding. We find people in all walks of life, habitually breathing through their mouths and allowing their children to follow their horrible and disgusting example. Many of the diseases to which civilized man is subject are undoubtedly caused by this common habit of mouth-breathing. Children permitted to breathe in this way grow up with impaired vitality, and weakened constitutions, and in manhood and womanhood break down and become chronic invalids. The mother of the savage race does better, being evidently guided by her intuition. She seems to instinctively recognize that the nostrils are the proper channels for the conveyal of air to the lungs, and she trains her infant to close its little lips and breathe through the nose. She tips its head forward when it is asleep, which attitude closes the lips and makes nostril breathing imperative. If our civilized mothers were to adopt the same plan, it would work a great good for the race. Many contagious diseases are contracted by the disgusting habit of mouth-breathing. And many cases of cold and catarrhal affections are also attributable to the same cause. Many persons who, for the sake of appearances, keep their mouth closed during the day, persist in mouth-breathing at night, and often contract disease in this way. Carefully conducted scientific experiments have shown that soldiers and sailors who sleep with their mouths open are much more liable to contract contagious diseases than those who breathe properly through the nostrils. An instance is related in which smallpox became epidemic on a man of war in foreign parts, and every death, every death which resulted was that of some sailor or marine who is a mouth breather. Not a single nostril breather succumbing. The organs of respiration have their only protective apparatus filter or dust-catcher in the nostrils. When the breath is taken through the mouth, there is nothing from mouth to lungs to strain the air, or to catch the dust and other foreign matters in the air. From mouth to lungs, the dirt or impure substance has a clear track, and the entire respiratory system is unprotected. And moreover, such incorrect breathing admits cold air to the organs, thereby injuring them. Inflammation of the respiratory organs often results from the inhalation of cold air through the mouth. The man who breathes through the mouth at night always awakens with a parched feeling in the mouth and a dryness in the throat. He is violating one of nature's laws and is sowing the seeds of disease. Once more, remember that the mouth affords no protection to the respiratory organs, and cold air, dust, and impurities and germs readily enter by that door. On the other hand... The nostrils and nasal passages show evidence of the careful design of nature in this respect. The nostrils are two narrow, tortuous channels containing numerous bristly hairs which serve the purpose of a filter or sieve to strain the air of its impurities, etc., which are expelled when the breath is exhaled. Not only do the nostrils serve this important purpose, but they also perform an important function in warming the air inhaled. The long, narrow, winding nostrils are filled with warm mucous membrane, which, coming in contact with the inhaled air, warms it so that it can do no damage to the delicate organs of the throat or to the lungs. No animal, excepting man, sleeps with the mouth open or breathes through the mouth. And in fact, it is believed that it is only civilized man who so perverts nature's functions, as the savage and barbarian races almost invariably breathe correctly. It is probable that this unnatural habit among civilized men has been acquired through unnatural methods of living, enervating luxuries and excessive warmth. The refining, filtering, and straining apparatus of the nostrils renders the air fit to reach the delicate organs of the throat and the lungs, and the air is not fit to so reach these organs until it is passed through nature's refining process. The impurities, which are stopped and retained by the sieves and mucous membrane of the nostrils, are thrown out again by the expelled breath in exhalation, and in case they have accumulated too rapidly or have managed to escape through the sieves and have penetrated forbidden regions, nature protects us by producing a sneeze which violently ejects the intruder. The air... When it enters the lungs, is as different from the outside air as is distilled water different from the water of the cistern. The intricate purifying organization of the nostrils, arresting and holding the impure particles in the air, is as important as is the action of the mouth in stopping cherry stones and fish bones and preventing them From being carried on to the stomach. Man should no more breathe through his mouth than he would attempt to take food through his nose. Another feature of mouth-breathing is that the nasal passages, being thus comparatively unused, consequently fail to keep themselves clean and clear, and become clogged up and unclean, and are apt to contract local diseases like abandoned roads that soon become filled with weeds and rubbish, unused nostrils become filled with impurities and foul matter. One who habitually breathes through the nostrils is not likely to be troubled with clogged or stuffy nostrils, but for the benefit of those who have been more or less addicted to the unnatural mouth-breathing, and who wish to acquire the natural and rational method, it may perhaps be well to add a few words regarding the way to keep their nostrils clean and free from impurities. A favorite oriental method is to snuff a little water up the nostrils, allowing it to run down the passage into the throat. From thence, it may be ejected through the mouth. Some Hindu yogis immerse the face in a bowl of water and by a sort of suction draw in quite a quantity of water. But this latter method requires considerable practice, and the first mentioned method is equally efficacious and much more easily performed. Another good plan is to open the window and breathe freely, closing one nostril. With the finger or thumb sniffing up the air through the open nostril then repeat the process on the other nostril repeat several times changing nostrils this method will usually clear the nostrils of obstructions in case the trouble is caused by qatar it is well to apply a little vaseline or camphor ice or similar preparation or Sniff up a little witch hazel extract once in a while, and you will notice a marked improvement. A little care and attention will result in the nostrils becoming clean and remaining so. We have given considerable space to the subject of nostril breathing, not only because of its great importance in its reference to health, but because nostril breathing is a prerequisite the practice of the breathing exercises to be given later in this book, and because nostril breathing is one of the basic principles underlying the yogi science of breath, we urge upon the student the necessity of acquiring this method of breathing if he has it not, and caution him against dismissing this phase of the subject as unimportant End of chapter six. So TLDR, breathe through your nasal tubes and not through your esophagus. Oh, wait. <laughs> and not through your trachea. If you're breathing through your esophagus, you got some other issues you got to work out. Okay. <laughs> but I, I don't think we really need to convince anybody of the importance of breathing much like, I didn't really need to convince you all last week about the importance of your liver, which I found I spent a ridiculously long amount of time stressing the importance of and necessity of your liver, which you don't really have a say in it. If you don't have a liver right now, I don't know how you're listening to this episode. But uh, I, I, I don't think there's anybody out there questioning. Hmm. You know what, Phil? You actually convinced me I shouldn't need my liver no like you're all like okay thank you for reinforcing the value that's never been questioned in you know ever and so uh there you go you need to breathe and you need to have a liver i mean i'm done here right (laughs) Uh, and also he puts into question the validity of a baby not naturally breathing through their nose and I want to squash that bug before it gets a little too large. Uh, babies naturally breathe through their noses in general, according to the Cleveland Clinic of Health and the Department of M- Health in Minnesota. Uh, um, and unless you develop choinol atresia as a baby, which only one in seven babies do, so I'm glad I could alarm you of that fact, but... Uh, <laughs> you're you're going to have a naturally nose breathing baby so you don't need to worry i mean and then of course they will breathe through their mouth when they're crying and you know grappling with their existence outside of their mother's warm safe womb And into a rather cold and chaotic world. But other than that, I think your baby's going to be fine with its nose-breathing techniques. I don't think you have to be concerned. I would say your primary concern at this point is to make sure your nasal airways are clear. And really, I only found, you know, some real value in this chapter with the final like three or four paragraphs where it talks about making sure you got some running some water through your nose running some witch hazel through your nose which who would have thought that that was actually a thing um apparently it is and it produces some chemical called a tannin or something that produces a burning sensation in your nose when you breathe it in but um, it's actually very good for clearing out your nasal passageways And uh, you should not ingest it, just as a disclaimer. Uh, Just apply it to, like, skin and breathe it in. And you should be fine. So I'm here to make sure that you're breathing in the correct substances. That's basically why I read this chapter. I want to promote a longer life for all of my listeners. I mean, I care about you whether or not you listen to my podcast. But, you know, if you're listening to my podcast like you're right before my or you're right below my family in you know my hierarchy of relationships so look at you go (laughs) thank you thank you thank you for listening to this episode and other episodes of reading cadence you take me over the moon I love reading incredibly boring passages of literature and letting you guys be entertained. So uh, I think that all left to be said is, as they say in showbiz, that's all he wrote for now.